0: Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and we are going to start because the show is called Markets and Mortgages, so I thought we would start with a big mortgage report from Wednesday looking at mortgage demand, and if you were looking at Twitter or Facebook or any really major media outlet, you would think that 2008 was upon us once again and that's not even close to being the case. So here's what the report said. So this is from the Mortgage Bankers Association. They have their weekly survey looking at mortgage demand and rates and total mortgage demand. That includes the two main categories. We have purchases and refis. That was down 6.5%, which is not uncommon. We've been seeing these Big drops for the last couple of months as rates have risen, especially among the refis. And I continue to be impressed with the resilience of the purchase aspect of mortgage demand. So it was down 6.5%. Refis were down 6% week over week. And they are now, and they're pretty much holding steady at about 75% year over year. So pretty much every week we get like a drop of around anywhere from like 4 to 8%. But the year over year is pretty much right around 75. Some weeks, maybe a little bit over, a little bit under, but it's right around 75%. So the real component of this index is purchases. And the purchase index saw a big drop week over week down 7% and is now down 21% year over year, which that's a big drop, 20%, no doubt about it. But I mean, when rates are where they are, I mean, how much they're up year over year to only see a 21% decline. I continue to be impressed, as I said, with the resiliency of the purchase market. So I do think that's important to remember. And looking overall, this is what's kind of funny about the situation is that refis have just collapsed. So even though they fell 6% week over week, they actually climbed on overall activity. They increased to now 32.2% of total applications up from last week when they were around 31.5%. And in good news, and you're not gonna hear this anywhere because the narrative, in a lot of cases, wants to highlight the fact that arms have increased in activity. And if you've noticed for the last couple of weeks, nobody's mentioned this. And the reason is, is because that activity has fallen and it fell once again. To be honest, I think this is the third or fourth week that we have seen arm activity fall. It is now down to 8.2% of total applications. And that's happening because I wanna remind everyone, this is very important. The arms of today are very different Than the arms of yesteryear. And by yesteryear, I mean like 2007. (laughs) They're very different. So back then, if you qualified for whatever the introductory rate was, the adjustable rate, then you qualified. Nowadays, you have to qualify for whatever the actual rate is. If it was a fixed rate and what the rate could adjust to. And so it's not that people can't qualify for a 30-year fix and are choosing to go the arm. They're going the arm route because they want to save money, which who doesn't want to save money? And so as rates increase, arm activity is going to decrease because fewer people are going to qualify for them. And so it's funny that, like I said, a couple weeks ago, if not a month ago, everyone was freaking out because arm activity was jumping up. But it's slowly decreased because either one people aren't qualifying or they're just, eh, it's not that big of an advantage. For whatever reason, we're nowhere near the activity that we saw. I think in 2005, six, seven, somewhere along those lines, like 30% of mortgages were ARMS. <laughs> and now we're at 8.2%. So 2007, this is not. And there's a lot more to this. So after three weeks of declines with regards to mortgage rates, Mortgage rates move back up. Once again, this is according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. These aren't the rates that you may or may not see, depending on who your lender is. The 30-year fix jumped seven basis points to 5.4%, which is 225 basis points higher than the same time one year ago. So a big jump, no doubt about that. Maybe not week over week, but year over year, that number is still it's big it is up there uh, the 15 year was up 3 basis points to 4.62% and the 5 1 arm was up 5 basis points to 5.5 or excuse me 4.51%. Now Joe Kahn he is a economist over at the Mortgage Bankers Association he said in a statement that demand fell to the lowest level that we have seen in over 2 decades and this was the headline that I saw pretty much across the board. Social media, any major media outlet, that's what I saw. He said weakness in both purchase and refinance applications pushed the market index down to its lowest level in 22 years. The 30-year fixed increased to 5.4% after three consecutive declines, and while rates were still lower than they were just a month ago, they remain high enough to still suppress refinance activity Only government refinances saw a slight increase last week. The purchase market has suffered from persistently low housing inventory and the jump in mortgage rates over the past month, or months, I should say. These worsening affordability challenges have been particularly hard on prospective first-time buyers. So as I mentioned, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it was, People were freaking out. 22-year low, oh my gosh, here it is. Here's the bubble bursting. It is finally upon us. The one thing I thought was really funny, I saw a couple people who I follow on Twitter, who I respect, I think they're smart, very smart people, and they were saying, well, for all the people that are bullish on the housing market, here you go. And I, who is bu- who is bullish on the housing market? What? I mean, has the Fed not made it clear that they're trying to cool the housing market? I think they've been pretty clear with this. I mean, they're trying to cool the overall economy. Housing is a big part of the economy. They're raising rates. They're reducing their balance sheet. <laughs> I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, we're looking at at higher mortgage rates. We're looking at mortgage-backed securities. There's more out there, which, of course, is going to increase rates. This is what this is what the Fed wanted. This is what the Fed was hoping was going to happen. I mean, who is surprised by this? I was very shocked at people who seemed surprised by this or were trying to be like, "Oh, look, I guess you can't." Be. Who's bullish on the housing market? Short term, I mean, short term. Long term, this is great for housing because while we weren't in a bubble yet, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah, if things continue to remain as heated as they were, a bubble could form. There's no doubt about that. And the Fed did not want that to happen. And so they have been putting forward measures that are going to cool the housing market. And so this is 100% what the Fed wanted to happen. And it's very funny because you you see a lot of people who, I mean, let's say they've been in the business for 10 years. It's pretty, you know, long time to be in an industry, kind of feeling for what's going on. But if you got in the business ten years ago, you got in the business in 2012. You missed the whole craziness of, of 2008. Things were already on the climb, and so it's kind of like people who got into finance on Wall Street and have never seen rates move to the point that they've moved, and it's like freaking them out. But if you talk to anyone who's been in the business for longer. They're not freaking out. I, I was talking to my boss who's been in the business for 35 years, David Masione. And it was funny because I was watching everybody freak out on Twitter. And I was talking to him at work and I said, yeah, did you see the, the mortgage demand data? Mortgage demand fell to 22-year low. And he said, so that was what, 2000? I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah, that's about right. It was like not concerned at all. And it was just so fascinating because once again, talking to someone who's been in the business for 35 years versus people who have never seen a drop, at least not a sustained drop. It was, it was kind of funny. Like the contrast was just very telling. And to me, it's kind of like you've been on a plane and you get turbulence and what's the one thing you always want to do? You look at the flight attendants. That I'm being politically correct. I don't want to say stewardess. You're looking at the flight attendants and you want to see are they freaking out? Because if they start freaking out, these are people that fly on planes all day long. Now you got something to worry about. But if you see a little turbulence and they're just continuing to serve drinks or whatever it is, then you don't have anything to worry about. And so to me, I look at this housing situation. And you look at demand falling to a 22 year low, and people are freaking out. They've they've never been on a plane before. But you look at the people who will fly all the time, and are they worrying? And a lot of them aren't. And they're like, Yeah, this is what happens. <laughs> and so, no, I'm not freaking out about what's happening. Sure, is volume going to drop? Absolutely. That was that's been the prediction since the year started. Now might it fall more than people expected? Sure. But nobody was expecting housing to continue on the path. That is why the Fed has been doing what it's been doing. They want to cool the housing sector. And so the fact that demand is dropping, you want demand to drop, inventory to increase. And the hope is is that we're going to reach not a downturn, but like a normal housing market. That's kind of what we're shooting for. I saw a funny tweet from Connor Sen, who I'm a big fan of over at Bloomberg, and he said, in my opinion, I think this summer we're going to be seeing only people that have to sell and only people that have to buy and that people on the fence might stay out of the market. And I saw that and I said, you mean like a normal housing market? <laughs> I mean, that's the way normal people react in a housing situation. You, know, you don't have to sell unless you have to, and you're not going to buy unless you have to. And I mean, sure, like if rates are good and that's what we saw during the pandemic, rates fell and people said, oh my gosh, I'm going to go buy a house. I'm going to go buy a second home. I'm going to buy investment property. I'm going to refi, whatever it is. Sure, they were reacting to the lower rates, but in normal market conditions, people make decisions on housing because of life changes. They got to move somewhere. They got to downsize. They got to upsize, whatever it is. And so it's like we're reaching a normal housing market and it's been over two years since we've seen a normal housing market, so a lot of people who have are new to the business are... And listen, I'm new to the business. I didn't get into housing until the middle of the pandemic. So I'm not trying to tell you I'm some expert here, but I'm looking at the experts. And I'm trying to figure out what their opinion is, and none of them seem worried to me. And so that should be a very telling sign. So don't listen to some of the doomsdayers They want you to buy into this. So here it is. Here's finally the bubble. And speaking of a bubble, there was a Zillow survey. They do this, I think, quarterly. And they were looking at what economists think about the housing market. And not surprisingly, bubble? No. Not a bubble. Recession? Not as... Yeah, they think it's going to happen. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Uh, as the housing market begins to slow, economists have some good news and bad news for us, according to the Zillow Home Price Expectations Survey. So 60% of the economists surveyed do not believe the housing market is currently in a bubble. And the fact that things are slowing now, it's not likely we're going to reach a bubble. I mean, if if things start coming down and you're not in a bubble... Then a bubble is unlikely to form. Now, it should be noted, 32% of economists did think that we are in one. So that's almost one third. That's important to remember. I did think it was funny that 8% did not know, which I thought was kind of a weird response for an economist. (laughs) Like, that's your job to look at economic data and be like, here's what I think is happening is going to happen. And they were like, yeah, we don't know. I don't know. It just seems like a weird response from an economist. Like when your whole job is to to go into like a handicapper, you're like, hey, who's going to win in the fourth race? And the handicapper, I don't know. (laughs) Isn't that your job to tell me (laughs) what you think is going to happen in the horse race? You're like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to win. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not on on my game today there. Uh, Now, with regards to the recession, as we all know, the Fed is trying to... Create a situation where we have a soft landing. That's what they're trying to do. They want a soft landing, which means that we slow the economy without causing a recession. It's very difficult to do. And I would argue that under these circumstances, it's probably even harder. And that could explain why 56% of economists responded. They do not believe the Fed can successfully navigate a soft landing for the economy. Which I, I think is kind of where most people stand. So you got a majority of economists who say, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to see a recession. So when is that going to happen? So 45%, so not a majority, but a plurality, believe that's going to happen in 2023. The next closest year, 30% believe it's going to happen in 2022. And let's face it, Q2 data is going to be very important because we already have one quarter in the red, first quarter negative growth. What's going to happen in Q2? If Q2 is down, then we're in a recession. All it takes is for two quarters to be negative for us to be in a recession. But we could see a little bit of a, even if it's up one percent. I actually, you know, it's interesting. I guess if it's even, what if it's flat? I guess that would still technically not be a recession because you have to have two down quarters. So even if it's flat or a little bit up, we see another growth quarter, and then maybe at the end of the year, start of next year, that's where it seems the economists are thinking that we're going to see that recession. And it should be noted that despite falling demand, the apocalyptic falling demand, and rising rates, the panel's expectations for home appreciation still is almost double digits, and it actually rose from the last survey. So the last survey was at 9%. Now they're projecting 9.3% year-over-year home price growth. Now that, of course, would be down from the almost 20% that we observed in the calendar year 2021, but historically, that's still a good year. But here's the other thing to remember. We're seeing so much growth right now that in order to reach that 9.39% number, we could see a negative month or a couple months towards the end of the year. Because right now, I mean, we're seeing what, 2 3% month over month growth, which if you annualize that, you extrapolate that, that's like 30 some percent. So if you're seeing that as we start the year, in order to get to that 9%, you're going to have to see some maybe negative months. And of course, the headlines are going to be, oh my gosh, the first negative month since 2008. Here it is. The bubble is upon us. But remember, these economists are saying, yeah, there's no bubble. And if you're not in a bubble, by the time things start to slow, it's unlikely that one is going to form. That's just looking at housing data. Everything can change. If something, some black swan event happens, it could then impact housing. But as it looks right now, we're looking at a recession, end of 2022, early 2023, and the housing market does not appear to be in a bubble. Now, we don't have time to get to it because I want to keep today's show within about 20 minutes. Uh, there was a great piece by Rudy Boschwitz, who used to be a, center from, a, sender, a senator from Minnesota back in the uh, 80s, and one of his jobs was trying to fix Social Security. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a new op-ed in the Wall Street Journal putting forth proposals to make sure Social Security doesn't go bankrupt by the time people like myself, millennials and younger generations try and take advantage of it, that it actually still exists. Because while we've been running a surplus ever since the program's inception, we are now tapping that surplus and the projections are, I think, 2034 so just 12 years away this program could be gone the entire surplus drained it took what 80 years to build it and it will be drained in 10 years and so his proposals are a way to keep the entitlement functioning and his hope is, is if we can fix social security we can fix some of these other programs medicare medicaid other entitlement programs That are just wreaking havoc on our national budget. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here Friday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.